Welcome back to the third Friday of the Big Football Show. And Jesse, uh, you had a tough week the first week. I had a tough week the second week, but we can still keep the promise that we are profitable. Uh, both of us are five and four on our Friday edition picks going into week three, and we're going to add um, all the Big Ten games to our slate to talk about today. So that's more action, and that means more profit. How are you feeling so far? I'm feeling pretty good. I got one back last week on you in the Northwestern Iowa game. I, I felt good about Northwestern. You called it. You said there'd be like two minutes to go in the game. It'd be a two point game. It basically, was that one was close all the way through. So three and two last week. I'm back in the game, baby, and I'm feeling good about this week. Yeah, and I know that we're going into our third week now, um, and I haven't even introduced us. I'm Ari Wasserman, um, and I'm with Jesse Temple, the uh, Wisconsin beat writer who is on vacation unexpectedly right now. Um, and we're, we're doing okay. Five and four, both of us combined. Um, considering the fact that this has been kind of an insane group of results, like I don't really know. I think this might be the hardest week to predict, Jesse, because so many things that happened in week two contradicted what we thought we knew about the Big Ten in week one. Is that kind of the feeling that you had looking through these games? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, college football in general is kind of crazy, but it does feel like this season in particular is wild. I look at the Maryland-Minnesota game from last week, right? Maryland got blown out in week one against Northwestern, lost by 40 points, and then came back and, and beat Minnesota in a shootout. I think that's just one example. We pegged that one wrong. We pegged the Michigan State-Michigan game wrong. Michigan State turns the ball over seven times in the opener against Rutgers and then looks like a completely different team and beats the Wolverines. So, yes, it's it's been a wild ride so far. I would certainly expect that to continue. And I'm not technically on vacation, Ari. It just so happens that the team I cover has been on an extended <laughs> hiatus, so we'll call it that rather than a vacation. Jesse, but when you look at these these teams, Michigan beating Minnesota week one, it felt like Michigan was back. I bought in Michigan. I even thought to lay over three scores um, against Michigan State, which now looks utterly ridiculous. And obviously that spread was completely wrong, and we were wrong. Um, but you overjudged Rut uh, Michigan State because of they lost to Rutgers, right? Then you overjudged Michigan because they beat Minnesota, and then Minnesota turns around and loses to Maryland, and Michigan turns around and loses to Michigan State. And I don't even it's like Rut is Rutgers and Illinois the two best teams in the Big Ten East right now. Like I can't, I don't like know how to look at these things. Has Maryland got a high powered offense? Is Minnesota's defense just awful? Um, and I think that we're going to start getting answers as more cross pollinization of the games uh, go into Week Three. But like I'm still kind of concerned that I don't know at all who these teams are and we overreacted to week one and now we're going to overreact to week two so i'm trying really really hard to try to maintain a level focus and i think it's going to turn into some winners this week so first jesse before we get going um i just want to ask you for our listeners and just my general curiosity what's it been like covering wisconsin the last week um were you surprised that they postponed the game maybe that's a dumb question because nobody was surprised um, but where do things stand with wisconsin and what's the morale of the team right now it's been an utterly bizarre couple of weeks, but probably not unexpected. Just if it wasn't going to be Wisconsin, it was probably going to be another team in the conference that had to shut down because of elevated COVID-19 cases. But yeah, I mean, Wisconsin initially canceled the Nebraska game and the numbers have continued to grow. At the time, Athletic Director Barry Alvarez made that decision in conjunction with the chancellor here. And they the school didn't fall under the so-called red-red designation that would automatically require a shutdown under the Big Ten protocol. But they wanted to be smart about this and they felt like they just couldn't take a team on the road and risk the spread continuing and i think that was the right decision because as we see it did continue that first that the first time the numbers came out when wisconsin has told us what they were there were 12 positive tests there were six players six coaches including head coach paul christ 
And then this past Saturday, Barry Alvarez went on college game day and he said that that number had spread to 22. So when I heard that number, I thought there's just no way they're going to play this week's game against uh, Purdue. And that, in fact, turned out to be the case. The last announcement we had was that the, there were 27 uh, active cases of COVID-19 within the program, a number of players and coaches that has knocked out several different position groups. You know, we talked before that at quarterback, the Badgers would have been down to their fourth stringer. So they're trying to get a handle on this. They're trying to salvage the season because as it stands now, Wisconsin can only play a maximum of six regular season games. And under the Big Ten protocol, the tiebreaker rules that have been established for this season, you have to play at least six games in order to qualify for the Big Ten championship. So I know that's not the most important thing right now within the program. It's can we get healthy? Can we just get the guys on the field and get them the experience? But for a team that coming into the season was the Big Ten West favorite and dominated Illinois in the opener, now their backs are kind of against the wall. Even if it isn't their fault moving forward, if some other team has COVID-19 and can't play, then they fall below that threshold and can't qualify for the Big Ten Championship. So it's been crazy. That's an interesting point because it's not just about Wisconsin getting back on and it's now they have to worry about everybody else following the protocols too and doing what they can. And I think Vanderbilt played a football game earlier this year, Jesse, with like 60 scholarship players or 55 or some crazy number like that. That's just off the top of my head. But if it it knocks out an entire position group, it's just not safe to play even if you can practice on Wednesday going into a Saturday game. So there's probably just like this woe is me uh, mentality probably for Wisconsin fans right now because it looked like they were going to walk to the Big Ten championship game. And I don't want to overreact to Illinois win because um, Illinois is Illinois and they went on to lose their next game. But like I had Graham Mertz mania, like the entire country had Graham Mertz mania. And I hope uh, for the Wisconsin, the sake of Wisconsin fans, the Wisconsin team, A, everybody gets healthy and B, we can see more Mertz mania as soon as hopefully next weekend. So, um, you know, cross your fingers on that. But let's get to the games now that we're going to be picking because this is where you make the money. All right, let's start off with the craziest game of the week. Michigan at, at Indiana. Uh, Michigan is laying three and a half on the road, depending on what your book says. You might be able to get it at three. But now this is a major um, decision crossroad time for us to decide, do we think Indiana is actually really good? Do we think Michigan is terrible? Or do we think the truth lies somewhere in the middle? And I'll start with you. Well, let's start with this. This is a remarkable number to me. Indiana has lost 24 consecutive games to Michigan. The last time the Hoosiers won was back in 1987. They've also lost 39 of the last 40 meetings. I guess that tells you Indiana football hasn't been all that great. But I like Indiana this year. These are two teams that are both averaging 36.5 points per game. Could be a shootout. And my trust in Michigan significantly wavering after what happened last weekend. I, I, I feel like sometimes we tend to be prisoners of the moment. We just look at what happened recently, but that to me was a real eye-opener. After the discussion in week one about is Michigan back, I'm not so sure anymore. So I'm going with Indiana to cover, and maybe the Hoosiers even win outright based on what we've seen so far. I'm not going to – so like I, week one, thought that Michigan was going to lose to Minnesota. Then as an overcorrection to that, I thought they were going to blow out Michigan State as a result of them losing to Rutgers, and I lost. So I'm 0-2 in Michigan games. I'm staying on the Michigan side. I'm I'm laying the points. I'm not overreacting. I think Indiana has had some fortunate breaks. My co-host Bill Landis on 4-6 with A and B kind of laid out some of those uh, you know turnovers and uncharacteristic things that kind of bounced their way. And like I don't know if I think Michigan just sucks now. Uh, they, they lost in a rivalry game. I don't know that they know how to handle success uh, when they get there. And we've seen that um, team win 9-10 games in a regular season. But whenever they're on a point to win a big game, they don't do it. But when they're playing in games that aren't that big, they're pretty good. 
And I don't know if I'm just going to completely get off the Joe Milton bandwagon and act like Michigan is the worst team in the Big Ten. They still probably are the third or fourth best team um, in the Big Ten right now, and I'm not sure that I'm completely bought into Indiana. And also, winning a big game against Penn State's nice. Um, it certainly was a huge win for the program, probably the biggest in program history. And they turned around and played pretty well against Rutgers. But sustained success is a lot harder than winning one game. So, like, do I think they're going to beat Penn State and Michigan two of the first three weeks, even if they are as improved as we, as we think they are? I think it's like, show me that before I expect it. So, to me, the play here is laying Michigan, um, the points uh, in Michigan's favor, and you and I are now on opposite sides, and it feels really good. I like it because we've had too many games where we picked the same outcome. I do think I like this three-and-a-half-point cushion, too, though. You know, for the Wolverines, it could yeah. be a close game. The Wolverines could win by a field goal, and I get this one right. So Yeah, that's what I thought I, about I the Minnesota okay. game. <laughs> Three and a half disappears real fast when you're on the wrong side, let me tell you. But <laughs> but that's uh, I think that, you know, if Indiana won, nobody would be surprised. It's just I'm trying not to go back and forth. Michigan's good. Michigan sucks. Michigan's good. Like, I just want to stay on Michigan's probably an above average team and the number four or three team in the conference and probably better than Indiana so far. One thing um, I'm, I'm, I think to myself is if you're a program that's lost 24 consecutive times to one team and you've got a top 15 program and you're playing at home, if you can't beat them this year. Are we going to be waiting until 2050? So that's kind of where my thought process is, too. And maybe we are. Yeah, I mean, and we've done that before. Uh, Winning 50 years to accomplish something isn't necessarily odd, and especially in Indiana's case. So um, I love that you come to the show with the numbers and you got the research all backed up, and you make the show a heck of a lot better, Jesse, but I think you're going to take a fat L on this one. Well, we're um, here for entertainment purposes anyway. I mean, you might no, have No, we're your here for making out. money. I don't know what you're here for. I'm here to, I'm here to hand out winners. <laughs> okay, uh, next game is Nebraska-Northwestern. What do you got? All right, well, Northwestern's minus 3.5. So this is a tough one, too, because Northwestern's 2-0, and Nebraska's 0-1 got pasted by Ohio State 52-17. Northwestern's defense has been very, very good. They're third in the country right now in total defense. They're third in run defense, sixth in scoring defense. And yet, I said all that. I don't know why I'm going with Nebraska on this one. I, the Cornhuskers play Penn State next weekend, and a loss against Northwestern would obviously send this program into a deeper spiral, spiral than it's already been. And maybe you can look at this and say, hey, Nebraska got a bye week last week, and Northwestern didn't, so perhaps the Cornhuskers will be better prepared. I mentioned before that Wisconsin had to cancel its game against Nebraska. And I also wonder, are the Cornhuskers really mad right now? Because nothing's gone their way in the Big Ten. They tried to reschedule or, or uh schedule a different opponent they wanted to play ut chattanooga and the big 10 nicks that replacement game plan so i i feel like i'm i'm going with nebraska i like adrian martinez and his dual threat ability i think this one's close but again like i said in the last game even if northwestern wins by wins by a field goal nebraska still covers so what are you going with the uh you're going with the feeling you know you got a feeling you have sometimes sometimes you have to go with the gut feel ari and i'm going with nebraska I thought even though Nebraska lost 52-17 to to Ohio State in week one that they showed a pulse offensively. I love what McCaffrey did in some of those interesting formations. And as much as Nebraska fans have played the conspiracy card uh, against them the last two weeks, um, sorry, six months, um, I, I, I think that they are a pretty tough team. But I don't know that they're tough enough to go win a game on the road right now, um, especially considering the fact that I think they kind of – um, have been prone to turnovers in the past. Um, I don't know that the roster is necessarily up to speed yet. Northwestern is a really tough out at home. Um, and, and the one thing that we've seen about Northwestern in the past, too, is that 
you know, when they get rolling and when they get confident, like Pat Fitzgerald knows how to handle that. And, and, you know, sometimes they're really bad. Like last year, they had the worst offense in the history of football, organized football at any level, peewee up to the NFL. Uh, but it seems to be um, much better right now. Peyton Ramsey, uh, ironically enough, <laughs> left another Big Ten program and um, is a really good player and has made this team good. I like Isaiah Bowser and um, – you know, they, they've got a pretty good offense, and their defense has always been really good. So, you know, to me, I think it's always hard, especially in the NFL, but also in college, laying points on the road. And I know I did that in the first game. Um, but I, I'm not necessarily sure I'm going to bank on Nebraska being something that it's not. Even if it had an extra week unintentionally to prepare for this game, I think we're going to go on separate sides for the second consecutive time. I like it. This is way more um, entertaining and interesting. Yeah, this is the podcast that's going to separate the men from the boys, and what actually is going to happen is that we're both going to be 3-3. Three and three. But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Okay, um, Penn State, Maryland. Uh, Penn State minus 25 against Maryland. How do you feel? I was ready to write off Maryland after week one. They looked like maybe somewhere on par with Northwestern last season. It's <laughs> the worst team you'd seen, but I thought, like, Tala Tungavailoa was tremendous last week. He threw for 394 yards, three touchdowns, and he ran for two scores. Penn State's 0-2, and I know Maryland was blown out in the opener by Northwestern, and I also know Maryland's given up 494 yards of total defense per game. That's terrible. I think Penn State's going to win this, but I don't know if I trust the Nittany Lions to cover that 25-point spread. So 25 feels like a big number, and I'm going to go with Maryland to cover that one. I think it's possible that Minnesota's defense is truly awful this year. Could be right. And all we've seen is just terrible, terrible results on that end of the field for them, uh, on that side of the ball for them in their first two games. And I'm going to try not to overreact to, you know, what we've seen already. I think Penn State might be, is probably the second best team in the Big Ten if we're not counting Wisconsin right now. Um, and if we are counting Wisconsin, number three. Uh, or, you know, I think they'd play a pretty good game with Wisconsin, actually. They've got a pretty solid defense. And even though I feel like they got blown out last week, despite the fact that the score didn't say so, um, I think that this team is more than capable of putting up big numbers against this Maryland defense. And I know that Maryland feels good about themselves and they got a big win against Minnesota, but I'm not going to overreact until we know what Minnesota is. And I keep saying the word overreact. I'm probably just going to be wrong, but like I feel like Penn State, having started 0-2, gets Maryland at home, is going to have a bounce-back game in a big way and take their frustration out on a tough start to the season on Maryland and cover the, the 25. And, you know, I could see something like 56-10 to 10 or something crazy in this game. I think Sean Clifford's above average. And, you know, I know that Jahan Dotson is capable of other worldly, worldly things after that catch he had against Ohio State last weekend. Um, I, I like Penn State in this game, and I like them big. Um, I really do like Jake Funk, the running back for Maryland. I thought he played really well. And, of course, you got baby uh, Tua over there on Maryland's side. But I just don't think they have enough on defense to stop Penn State from taking what they want at home. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. And I, I, I'm feeling like a 41-17 win for Penn State. So convincing enough, but not quite to cover. Yeah. And that's what happens when you start getting into these big spreads. You know, they, they might be covering in the first half and then not cover the spread in the game. So, um you know, it'll be very, very interesting. I, I, I am, I'll say it before we move on to the next game, Jesse, that um, in the Big Ten, this is the most excited, you know, maybe outside of week one, just because football was back, that I am to actually see what we've got in this conference. I think this week is going to be a very good week to kind of, you know, tell who is uh, good and who isn't. And uh, there's some been some mixed signals uh, with the results in the first two weeks, and I think this week we're really going to find out how, we are, how good these teams are. Um, which brings us to the next game, um, Michigan State. 
uh, at Iowa on the road. Iowa is laying six and a half or seven at home, depending on um, the number. I think we're going to use seven. We are. Uh, who do you got? I like Michigan State in this one. They they rank second in the Big Ten in passing yards. I see you smirking, which means maybe you think you're leaning the other direction, which I hope is the case. But I like what Rocky Lombardi's done so far. That was a huge bounce back early statement win for the Mel Tucker here at Michigan State. And the other thing that I am looking at is just Iowa in general. Seven-point favorites feels like a lot to me for an Iowa team that's only scored 20 points in each of his first two games and ranks 12th in the Big Ten in that category. So Michigan State to cover. I think I'm with you on this one, so uh, we're going to be on the same side. I think I overreacted to Michigan State's loss to Rutgers in Week 1. Um, but they're a very functional football team in what I saw against Michigan. And giving Michigan the benefit of the doubt, I also have to give Michigan State the benefit of the doubt, and Iowa is off to a pretty slow start. So, you know, I know it's on the road, and, you know, that stadium is typically pretty tough to um, play in, but Rocky Lombardi made some big-time throws. They were very effective taking shots down the field. I think Michigan State uh, has some sneaky good athletes. Um, And right now, Iowa's offense just isn't exciting. So, I might hate myself and Iowa might roll because Michigan State, again, lost to Rutgers and maybe uh, Michigan will lose to Indiana and everything will make sense again. But as things stand right now, with all the evidence that we have, I think Michigan State um, is the play here. Okay. Uh, Minnesota minus seven at Illinois. Do you believe in the Gophers? I'll tell you who I don't believe in, and it's the Illini. (laughs) Here's a ridiculous stat for you about the Illinois pass defense, Okay. Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz, Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell, the two quarterbacks Illinois has played. Combined, 49 of 56, that's 87.5% for 619 yards and seven touchdowns. You cannot be any worse than that as a defense. So I think Tanner Morgan gets back on track for Minnesota. I think the Gophers cover. They're 0-2. They're desperate for a win after coming one game away last season and winning the West Division. I think Minnesota covers this one. Is is Illinois uh, sneaky good on offense, though? Sneaky good on offense? Um, like, do they do they the score points? Did well, you I did, but they're the playing they're playing Wisconsin, and I watched the opener. Um, you know, I don't know. They Sometimes didn't score Illinois... an offensive touchdown. So, I, I Illinois, prove me wrong. Uh, you know, I, I saw what they okay. did in that win against Wisconsin last just, season. But I like the reason Minnesota. why I brought up the Illinois offense is because if they even have a semblance of a pulse. Minnesota's defense can't stop a fart in the wind right now. So I don't know if that's the right analogy, but it, it, I, I, I'm going to go Minnesota too because if you would have said Minnesota minus seven as a, as a bet in week one, I would have like put my mortgage on it. And uh, I don't mean the actual monthly payment. I mean the entire bill or note. Um, so like I just think the value here is good. People are down on Minnesota. I like Tanner Morgan. I think Rashad Bateman is the – best skill player not on Ohio State in the Big Ten and they just you know they have the firepower on offense to put up a ton of points and I'm just gonna like blindly trust that PJ Fleck and his defensive staff can get that team back into a respectable position to actually get a stop here because the first two weeks were embarrassing maybe this is going to be the first team to 50 I don't know I mean if, if both defenses are terrible but I just I have yeah, less first, faith in Illinois than I do in Minnesota if it's first team to 50 then I'm 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 taking the points so, like, you to do this, you have to put blind faith into Minnesota's defense. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm willing to do that one more time. So, 
we're on the same side on that side too. And the final one here is Ohio State minus 38 against Rutgers at home. 38 is a very intriguing number here because it makes you think about this one. Rutgers is last in the Big Ten in total offense, 261.5 yards per game. Ohio State is first in total offense. We've talked every week about how much better Ohio State is than most of the teams it's playing. I don't see how the Scarlet Knights score enough points to keep this thing close. Having said that, 38 points is a lot. I know you do say good teams win, great teams cover, and Ohio State's covered the first two weeks, but... Depends on when you bet on Ohio State. Ohio State uh, opened last week at 13.5, and and it ended around 10, or opened at 8, ballooned up to 14, got to 13.5, and and then went back down to 10.5. Well, when we talked about it, yeah, it was under the 13. There were a lot of people who lost a ton of money last week at 13 or 13.5 because Ohio State's walk-on kicker couldn't hit a 22-yarder at the um, buzzer, and I feel like that was a... There's no buzzer in football, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, it was a tough beat for Ohio State, and you know I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Jesse, but that was a that was a pretty terrifying way to not cover a spread depending on the number you got. But no, that, that's okay. That's what why, we're doing. That's why people should run to place their wage wages wagers as soon as we they listen to our our conversation because the numbers can change. I I'm going with Rutgers on this one. I think Ohio State wins by five touchdowns. See, this is very similar to some of these other games. Uh, like where I think Penn State wins by 24 and is favored by 25. I, I'm going Rutgers on this, and Ohio State wins by five touchdowns. So they don't cover, but it's close. No. Yes. Okay, so do you think that Ohio State is going to get up and cover the spread and then take out their team, and then Rutgers is going to get garbage time touchdowns? Or do you think that Rutgers is going to show a pulse and it is actually much improved? Like what version of that game? Because, you know, they could cover or not cover, and – you know, you've seen 38-point spreads where a team puts up 40 in the first half and then takes their foot off the break, and you've seen, you know, 40-point spreads not covered because it was a battle for the first quarter and a half. And I'm wondering, like, do you have faith in Rutgers not being a joke, or do you think Ohio yes. State just takes their foot off the gas? I, I think it's more the, the former of what you said. I, I mean, look, this is two teams on completely different planes. There's no question about it. But I think Rutgers hangs around enough to be borderline respectable, depending on what your definition of that is. And so that that's where that's where I'm heading on this. But, you know, we know how good Ohio State can be. We know how quickly the Buckeyes can put up points and how quickly a game like this can get out of control. But still had to make a pick one way or the other. And the 38 points to me is just enough for me to make a different consideration here and think that uh, Rutgers can hang around and and stay under that margin. Yeah, I'm going to lay it because uh, I've covered Ohio State for 10 years and I think this is the best offense they've ever had. And I don't know. I think that there is a interesting dynamic here, Jesse. That uh, Greg Schiano is the head coach at Rutgers, and they are friends with Ryan Day. And you might not want to run up the score on a friend. Um, and I understand that, and I know that it's in danger. And I think that no matter which way you play this game in the fourth quarter, you're going to be sweating one way or the other. But here's another bold prediction: If Ohio State doesn't cover the spread, I bet you at one point in the game they will be covering it. So. I, this game to me is a do not touch, but since this is a show for entertainment and gambling purposes, I'm going to lay it because I think it's possible that Ohio State just accidentally scores 65 points because I don't know that anybody uh, in this conference, when you start you know, breaking it down outside of the you know, usual suspects of contenders, can stop this team from scoring at will. Um, and also, I know there's a deep appreciation from Ryan Day um, for his quarterback and Justin Fields and the way he stood up and never wavered on – the decision that he had to potentially go to the NFL and just say, screw this Corona stuff. I'm going to go work out and get ready to be a top five pick. Not only did he stay committed to his football team, but he, 
you know, did all the the tours of petitions and, and ESPN hits and all the stuff that you would expect from a leader uh, to try to get the season back on track. And I think Ohio State's going to do what it can to put Justin Fields in position to win the Heisman Trophy this year. And if they do that, then that means leaving him in the game a little bit longer than they would otherwise. And, you know, in the past, Ohio State, I feel like, doesn't start taking the, the foot off the gas till they're up 45 points or at least over 40. So to me, I think at, at a certain point, this game might be 45 nothing or 52-7, to and you might get into that sweat range where if Rutgers scores a weird touchdown in the last minute or two, um, you know, it might make things dicey, but Ohio State, you know, has scored with their backup quarterback already in this season against a Nebraska team that I think is far more um, apt to, to compete on the road. So, you know, I don't think you should touch this. If you're listening to this, maybe stay away, but – for the sake of scorekeeping, I'm going to lay the points. So just to recap, this is our most wildly different week in terms of picks. We got six games. You and I differ on four of them. So I think you're right. This is perhaps one of those weeks where we separate the men from the boys. Unless in those four games, we each go two and two. And as you <laughs> said, we come back next week and nothing's really changed. We probably know the equal amount about the Big Ten. Um, and we covered both sides of the conference so i think our perspectives are different which is why i like hosting the show with you because like you know more about the big 10 west than i do and i think i know more about the big 10 east than you is that fair i'll give it to you i don't know or maybe not i mean you're really smart so uh maybe you know more about everything but i just think that in general it is super appropriate that you and i are in this position because i think this is the weirdest game slate of games to pick i think there's a wide margin of results that can happen as a result of us not really knowing who these teams are and that's part of the reason why i'm so excited to watch this weekend so uh, any final thoughts for uh, our listeners that came here for you well i hope next week we have an actual wisconsin game to talk about because it would be a big one they're going on the road to michigan assuming that the badgers can uh get back to practice and, and control the spread of COVID 19 so that's my hope but for another saturday i guess i'll sit on the sidelines and watch all these other teams play what'd you do last saturday what did I do last Saturday? I honestly don't remember, Ari. Got a newborn baby. He's eight weeks old. Sleep is uh, the most important thing. I probably passed out or watched him so my wife could pass out. That, that's life these days, Ari. There's yeah, less that's college life football these days. going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, congratulations, Jesse. I think everybody's excited to hear that. Um, thanks so much to everybody for listening to the big football show that you can get daily during the week. Um, good luck when you're tailing our picks. Take your Amex out. Take your credit. Bet on credit. We can't lose. Stay away from the Ohio State game, and we'll check you guys out next week.